They shoot the shit. They shoot, they shoot the shit. Shoot, 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 shit, shit, shit. Shooting the shit with Chippa. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Shooting the Shit with Chippa. As always, I'm your host, Chris Chipman, a.k.a. The Chippa, the creator of way too many things on the internet. Before I get into my very special guest today, I'd like to thank my $15 or more a month patrons. They are Mason Christopher Finnick, Patricia Chipman, Hugh K. Campbell Jr., Alex Peregrine, Kevin CV, Mike the Gatherer, Tyler Freshcorn, Mark Price, and Collaborating Online. Thank you all so much for sticking it out through this crazy last three months. I know there's plenty of other places where your money is probably more well needed. And those of you that are able to throw some my way to keep this wonderful show going and others like it, I really appreciate it. Um, Today's episode is brought to you by both the pumpkin copter cast and gutter recap them all. They're both headed up. By my friend Tyler Gorman. The Pumpkin Copter Cast is a video game themed podcast where Tyler has on people from the video game industry, people like me that just love video games, and everyone in between. And Gutter Recap Them All is Tyler and his friend trying to watch and recap every single animated thing in the Pokemon canon. I've been on an episode, it's wild and it is exhaustive, <laughs> and you've got to get over there and check it out. And that wonderful character laughing in the background is none other than Tyler himself because nepotism is real on this show. <laughs> Tyler, introduce yourself to the peoples. Um, hello. Uh, yep, I am Tyler. I'm the host of those two things that Chris said, and who knows, maybe more in the future. And if you're a, a Boston area con goer, you've probably run into Tyler um, dressed in. Is it the last two years you've been going as um as what is it, Big Betty? Big that, Debbie. Big, Big Debbie. Sorry, I'm, my brain's all messed up right now. Big Debbie, which uh, d- describe describe the costume and where it came from because I think it's amazing. Yeah. So this is like one of my personal favorite things. So it started. It started as, you know, a, like a one-shot character from the podcast, My Brother, My Brother and Me, starring the McElroy brothers. And yes. one of them, and like in the upper hundreds of episodes, they mentioned forming like a fictional snack cake company called Big Debbie. And, you know, in one of them, like many um, things... Like many things the McElroys do, people tend to take clips of the best bits and animate them. And one of them was animated by the like anima- animatic creator Geo the Bio. And what you know what they did is you know they made Big Debbie like through like correspondence to try and get like an idea of what my cosplay of Big Debbie was. Basically, just imagine, like, an extreme, like, imagine someone with, like, Shirley Temple levels of, like, curly ginger hair. Now, imagine that person, like, built as if they were, like, Thanos from Infinity <laughs> War and Endgame. And the idea is, uh, you know, Big Debbie was someone who wanted to sell you snack cakes, but they were just almost unnecessarily intense about it and so what i did it would be like so on twitter one day when they posted the video i was like hey 
maybe I should cosplay as Big Debbie for PAX. And then they like almost immediately replied in all caps, yes, do it. And so I was able to put together a costume, which is, you know, quite simple. All you need is like a straw hat, one of those, you know, like button down blue and white, like almost picnic table looking shirts. And then just some blue jeans and like what I did because my grocery store has these very almost obscenely cheap prices, especially by today's standards. This is like like big old cases of you know Will Debbie's oatmeal cream pies. And what I did is I printed out one of like one of the frames from the Big Debbie like animation. There's just a picture, you know, just Big Debbie. You know, just and like a little Debbie style logo, and it just completely out of context. It said they all got fucking protein now. (laughs) It's so good. This actually started a pack south of two years ago, and this is absolutely like the fact that this happened just just completely shocks me. So uh, as I was waiting for one of my as I was waiting for one of my two flights from, you know, Boston to San Antonio, I got approached by this lovely married couple, and I, and, you know, this man's wife tells me that he, and this is absolutely true, a, I guess either at the time is, at the time was, or, like, was sometime in the past, an actual, like, salesperson of Will Debbie Snack Cakes. No way. Yep. And so then I explained, you know, what I was doing. I showed them the cartoon of Big Debbie. And since, you know, they're familiar with Little Debbie, they just found it hilarious. And, you know, it's a trend like, that's the only character, pretty much the only character I can be bothered to cosplay as, just because I think it's so hilarious and surprising quite a few people at Peck Sofa Ear like, almost instantly recognized me when I brought up the McElroy Brothers. And what I would do is I would just, you know, hand out oatmeal cream pies and whatever other, like, snack, little Debbie snacks I would bring just to random con-goers because, you know, con snacks are obscenely expensive. Yes. And, And then most recently, like, if anyone follows, like, my Twitter account, you'll notice that my profile pic is Big Debbie holding the infinity going. And that's because... (laughs) Just because this is where I went, like, mentally. Like, I decided to buy one of those, like, huge... Like, one of those huge infinity gauntlet props that's, like, the size of a three-month-old dog. Yeah. With the full lights and sound. And now, like, in my... Big Debbie costume with my basket of baked goods. I just walk around with the Infinity Gauntlet. And if people are either recognize me as Little Debbie, Big Debbie, or they're just, you know, mesmerized by the fact that I have an incredibly detailed Infinity Gauntlet prop in my hand. Well, it's true. Like, I mean, (laughs) I ran into you packs both years in a row, last year and this year. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's really sad to, to say that, you know, 
PAX East this year was the last time I saw you and we live a couple towns apart. Um, so, you know, it's like we've, we've happened to have run into each other randomly at stores, but you were immediately recognizable at PAX. And I wanted to somewhere on the air, you know, thank you, um, <laughs> for, for something, you know, people wonder, you know, how to, how did, how does anybody meet these days without meeting on the internet? You know what I mean? And, and we kind of met on the internet cause you knew me through my brother and you, you knew my shows with Bob, but it was so cool. Cause I was at, at a uh, target in Danvers, mm-hmm. um, God, what, three years ago now I think and, so. um, was shopping with my wife and kid and, you know, we're in the movies and book section and, you know, I kept looking over and it's like this guy kept kind of like glancing and glancing away and I'm like, does that guy recognize me? So, and you came over and you were like, all right, you know, I, I feel really weird doing this, but are you Chris Chipman? And it was the coolest thing because you're the very first person in public who ever acknowledged that any of this stuff that I was doing, you know, outside of like me going to movies with my brother and having people come up and just like kind of love him. And he'd be like, oh, all right, this is my brother. But then they go, what do you do? Oh, I'm, I'm a boring engineer. And now it's like, you recognize me through that. And it, it really like, I've been riding that high ever since because <laughs> it really prepared me for going to cons. Cause you saw after the, uh, the, um, grumpy old gamers thing that Bob and I did, people set up a line to like, they wanted my autograph and you are the first autograph I ever gave. And that <laughs> meant so much to me. And I wanted to tell you that like that really did. And then you're, you know, the first year I go to PAX, it's like, I'm walking around and I go, that's Tyler. Like of of the <laughs> thousands of people in this room right now, and there's Tyler, and why? Because of the big red hair, and the fact that you had an infinity gauntlet and a basket of little Debbie snack cakes. Yep, <laughs> it was so cool. <laughs> but um, yeah. So 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 then you did Pax South, Pax East two years in a row with that, and people just love it. But yeah, it's really sad that that was the last time. That's the last con I went to. I mean, what the world kind of went to crap a week later. Right, the 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 hotel next to the place where we went to PAX East was like ground zero for COVID outbreak in Boston. Mm-hmm. So we kind of dodged a bullet there. Jesus. Yeah. So, uh, so what else has been going on, man? S- since then, um, uh, you're a teacher, right? So you've been you've been um, not working, I assume. I've been like. Put into the voluntary furlough program at work. Understood. I not basically mean sorry. Basically means like I'm not like employed there, but you know, once things get marginally less horrible, I'll be able to like resume my old post once and, it gets wrong. And I, I'm going to say, and I, I'm, we're going to repeat it again at the end, and that's why I want to remind people. You know, T- Tyler makes content. Tyler makes very good content. You should go listen to and watch that content because for those of us that like, this is our fun, like side hustle gig. All of, you know, in the real world, a lot of people aren't working right now. So get over to Tyler's thing so you can help him make more content. What it, is it? T Gorman 83 on Patreon or is it pumpkin copter cast? It's the pumpkin copter cast. And so it's like my first internet type show. Cool, and I'll I'll make sure I write that in the thing. But just just a reminder that you know t- Tyler puts. I mean, he's watching 
all of Pokemon, guys, and talking about it. You love Pokemon. If you're listening to this, you love it. I know that you do. Like, yep. Get over there and listen to people geek out about it. <laughs> it's going to be fun. There's, um, there's a lot. Like Something some, t- some people forget just because both then, when I was in its target demographic, and now, is that, you know... Like most kids, like most good shows aimed towards children, just because it's aimed towards children doesn't mean like there isn't anything there. I mean, yeah, like, Pokemon is not Barney, <laughs> you know, that's the difference, right? The, the first few episodes, uh, let's see, um. Yep, like three of the most notable episodes in like the Canto arc, which is like the very first season, like way way back in the day when I was a young and like we see that Tom and I, Tom, my co-host and I, we see Ash catch like three of like the six the six Pokemon in his team. He catches you know Bulbasaur. Charmander and then Squirtle and you know like a recurring theme and like all and pretty much the entire like 20 plus year run of the Pokemon anime is like you know like these Pokemon are like living breathing breathing thinking creatures and you know like in the real world we've seen what happens when you know said creatures are not treated well like Bulbasaur like Ash, Ash's Bulbasaur was once like you know the like the guardian of a hidden village of Pokemon that were at, like most of the time were abandoned or worse by their trainers. We have Charmander, which you know definitely one of the saddest of like the Kanto arcs. Which for those who don't know, Charmander is an orange like fire lizard with like a little flame on its tail, and if it goes out, like Charmander dies. And it was basically abandoned by its trainer and like tricked to like to sit on a rock like the whole time. And you know the Squirtle Squad, just like in drastic contrast to the Charmander episode, is one of the most hilarious one episodes. Even though you know. Squirtle was like abandoned by its trainer. You kind of forget that because it's the episode with like the five Squirtles that are wearing sunglasses and pulling pranks on ta- around town. <laughs> Shows bonkers. I mean, I had like I talked to you about um when uh when I came on your show, I always knew of Pokemon because my my cousin Joey was really into it, but I was already kind of past the target demographic to get like sucked into the game. And it's unfortunate because I've played iterations of it now and I'm in love. So I've like gone back, but Mm -hmm. I never really sat down and watched the show for any um, long period of time. And watching those couple episodes for your show, it's like, this is really good. This is also really bizarre and really bonkers and super self-aware. And I love the self-aware fourth wall breaking stuff because Mm -hmm. as an adult watching it now, it's like, Maybe a kid gets that that's funny, but that's just, you know, it's whimsy. But for me, it's like, oh, man, like they get it it reminds me of like the Lego movie. 
You know, we're selling mm-hmm. you a product. We know this whole thing is just set up to sell a product. Let's make fun of that for a little while with you, huh? <laughs> you know, and and I, and I love that about it. Um, so you've you've got two, you know, shows with a lot of episodes in the internet, and, and I never asked you. You you know you you talked to me a little bit offline, but and if you've gone over this on your show, then I apologize. But you told me a bit about where the pumpkin copter king thing came from. But why don't uh why don't you do a quick recap on that for the people that might not know you? You know, pumpkin copter is a cool name. The the visual is awesome. The the artists you work with to like do pictures for your stuff is really cool. I love that I've got a special picture from when I come on your show of like mm-hmm. me and you sitting down at like a late night desk. I love that. Um, with the with the blockbuster logo or the talkbuster logo on my shirt, but uh, you know how did that all come about? So this is this goes way back and back and back, like quite a number of years, and it started like there's this show which like video games awesome hosted by Fraser Agar and his then girlfriend of many years and now wife of many years and. Like back in the day, before, like a few years ago, they would period periodically have you know Minecraft build challenges on the server that they have, like the official like video games awesome community server, and like every now and again they would be like themed. Like one year there was like a holiday parade float. One day it was like Halloween. And, you know, just a quick side tangent, I met a, fr- a friend of mine I met through the community, like through the Minecraft build challenge specifically. One year he built an exact replica of the mansion, like hotel resort from The Shining in yeah. Minecraft. It's, and considering like in Minecraft, each block is like the size of a person. But anyway... When, like, four or five years ago, they were doing a Christmas build, and everyone was building, like, Christmas-themed buildings, you know, based off of, like, like sprites built based off of, like, you know, either holiday specials or holiday-themed versions of, like, popular pop culture characters. I couldn't really think of anything because I was just derping around. And so I just... Because, of course, this is where my brain went. I built, you know, what I can only be described as a pumpkin copter. And I used a bunch, in Minecraft, I used a bunch of pumpkins and made, like, a roughly boxular shape. I get as, like, a view, I gave, like, I think, I'm not sure if this was an update at the time, but either, like, gave it, like, a view, a window made out of either glass blocks or glass panes. And then I made, like, a little propeller out of, like, black wool. And then inside I put, like, little sets of controls, like, up, down, crash into something. And, you know, like, they were just, like, Fraser and Becky were just flying around, looking at whatever catches their eye. And then they just walked up to my thing. It was, like, a pumpkin copter. And then they, like, walked inside, looked around for a bit. It was like, yep, that's certainly the thing it is. But, <laughs> but like, the true, like, what actually, like, the real reason it became, a rec- like, a recurring gag, 
like in Minecraft build challenges in like future years is that you know this is before Discord was a thing, but in the Skype like a lot of like communities a lot of like people in the video games also community create their own sub communities and then they have like Skype calls where everyone can just, you know, call and hang out. And at the time like two of the people like Silent and Melly, one who was a former moderator and a current moderator of the show at the time. They were basically just laughing like at just how absurd it was and they pretty much just told me to make it a recurring gag and so in subsequent build challenges I would just build a pumpkin copter cast. It was almost always like completely out of place or just it didn't it like didn't go with whatever the theme of the build challenge was and then like in the main Minecraft server, I would just like build a pumpkin copter cast, and that would be like my house in Minecraft. <laughs> and you know, I think this was like a bit before I decided to make that like the signature object of my show. But you know, um, pesky plumber, the person who makes like pretty much all of the major artwork you see like on my channel including like the thumbnail that you're in love it like i had him in one day and i asked him to like draw the pumpkin copter cat the pumpkin copter that was my minecraft house and i basically told him to like give it like the, like the outer spatial dimensions of like the tardis from doctor who which is why it has that particular that like you know slightly tall rectangular shape and i just decided for whatever reason i decided to make the pumpkin copter like just like pretty much the signature image of of my video game interview show and you know just because why not no absolutely and and i love um i love your show because you had me on and like you, you you sent a list of questions very professionally done and set up but you know starting it is you caught me off guard with your incredibly witty and very dry <laughs> like there wasn't like a punchline to like the humor in it so i'm sitting there going like your delivery was perfect because you're like, welcome to the pumpkin copter cast, the only video game show that actually is. And I loved it. That it, actually I, is. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Another reference to like a very, very early episode of video games. Awesome. Because Fraser, like the creator and primary host at the, t at the time, like he and his friends were playing, I think, Street Fighter Four, and this is back in the day, like before they primarily, like almost entirely, did live shows, uh -huh. and they were just like you know just pop in, like edited shows do, and it was like, hello and welcome to Video Games Awesome, the only video game show, and then he just like didn't add to it. Yes. That statement and so like the three friends like just laughed as soon as they got it and like my favorite moment of that is when i let me see if i could find it. when i interviewed um uh 
Tom and Kyle, two of the people working on Super Meat Boy Forever, and like with it in the first fourteen seconds, like they just laughed. Just again, just because of like that gap where you, where like the human brain trains itself to like think like the only video game show. Oh, he's going to add something to that, and then yes, with with ferrets. No, okay. <laughs> 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 and that it, it was great because it's like I you know I, I I just didn't expect it and it 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 was great and then your questions were great because they were mostly like very you know very uh, not run of the mill but very like expected okay cool these are good easy questions and then you had one that was just why video game or it something like that game. is video game and I'm like this is great <laughs> <laughs> and I think I asked you do you want me to answer this seriously or is it a joke and you go what do you think and I'm like all <laughs> right <laughs> this is gonna be great. <laughs> yep, and, and I just I, I like it because you you approach that and you just hit people with that and there's no preempt for it. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like this is me. Th- this this is my sense of humor. This is how I do. And and it, it's very um what's what's the word I'm looking for? It's very genuine. There's no like you know there's no BS there. And and I think that so much stuff online is about a persona. And about like, you know, getting up in people's faces and, and kind of not being yourself. And instead it's like, and, and I try to pride myself in that too. Like the stuff that I do, I, I, I want people to go, okay, is that what Chris is like when you talk to him in real life? And it's like, do you think I could have time to create a different persona? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> like <laughs> I have a hard enough time speaking, let alone <laughs> creating a different persona. So um, that, like, that question and, like, having just, like, scripted questions in general, that, like, goes back to one of my earlier episodes that, like, one of the ones I got, like, really proud of because it was the first time I actually, like, contacted, like, the representative of a video game company. Oh, and cool. I, I got to talk with, like, Arnius... Danielle and Rob Nolk, uh, three of the people who at the time were with the company Midboss, who and who again at the time was associated with the game 2064 Read Only Memories. And oh. you know, just the person I was talking to, like, just suggested that you know, having scripted questions would just be easier. Just because it's going to be me and three other people, and you know, is video games. I just decided, like, because I always imagined if I had some type of interview show, it would be like a combination of like the silly questions and questions that like no one with an actual interview show on television would ask. Because you know, why would they? Right. Yeah. They just they want something they can put a headline on. But I, I, you like, it's good to catch people off guard. My, my friend in work always said he had a, he had a friend that was a science teacher and he would always ask his students, why is a duck? <laughs> like in the middle of very serious questions, just to see, just to see what they were thinking. Why is a duck? Well, why is a duck? What? Indeed. What? <laughs> and, and, and I love stuff like that. Um, it's just so much fun. So. So, God, you've been doing the Pumpkin Copter cast for what? Like three or four years now? Is that it? Uh, let's see. Or is it longer than that? Um, 
Let's see, by this August, by August 26th of this year, I'll have been doing it for roughly four years. Oh, awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. I just surpassed three, so you got me beat. Yep, and by like August 14th of this year, the Gotta Recap them all will have turned a year old. Yes, yeah, I was going to say, let's move into that. So what what made, it's you and Tom Spielman, right? Yes. Oh, I, for some reason I was spacing and wanted to call him Tim when I was introducing it. So I'm like, I'm going to botch this. Um, so y- you and Tom, what, what made that show happen? Like, where did that come from? I think this is just like my desire to just make con to just like do more content and like I like doing the pumpkin copter cast since I feel like since it's just me interviewing video game developers and video game related people, I can pretty much do it for as long as I want for the rest of my life. Right. And I really enjoy just projects that I know I'll be able to just do for a really long time and like, I love the Pokemon anime. Like, I just, like, halfway through, I think, the Diamond and Pearl arc, I just stopped watching it just because I was going through that very dark time in my life when I thought, like, cartoons were lame. Yeah, we, we've, we've all done that. Yep, and thankfully, I bounced back from that, and, you know, when the... When the anime seasons that tied into the X and Y series of Pokemon games came out, I just instantly fell in love with it again. And, you know, I fell in love with the Pokemon anime again and just, like, everything associated with it. And and I think I was... Yeah, I was discovering that, you know... The, pretty much every season of the Pokemon... Of, like, the... 20 plus years of Pokemon anime. It was like on DVD. And I was thinking, I just put it out on Twitter. Like, would, like, what would you say if I did, if I had like a podcast where I just recap literally every single episode of the Pokemon show? And then, you know, Tom at the time was just one of the people who just randomly typed, not only would I like to hear that, I would like to be the co-host. And then just... Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And then I just... And then we started messaging each other just... And I just decided, like, right then and there to, like, make him the co-host. And then we just... It took a little while for us to establish a formula. Like, we decided to just... Like in each episode, we unless it's a movie episode, in which case that take the movie takes up an entire episode. Um, we usually Tom and I usually review the episodes in twos, just because I feel like it's a good balance. And we just decided to we like as it went on, we kind of developed a flow with the show, and then we just talked. Like, mainly it was just both of us discovering just, you know, there's a lot to the show. Like, in the first, the very first episode of the Pokemon anime, like, you know, Pikachu was not the nicest boy. Yeah. Like, he was just, like, mean and rude to Ash and wouldn't help him catch any Pokemon out in the wild. And then Ash threw a rock at what he thought was a Pidgey, but it turned out to be a Fearow. 
And if you, if any like non Pokemon watchers or players know what a Fero is, like just imagine, just imagine like the mindset of like a bird from Alfred Hitchcock's The Bird. Now imagine that bird is roughly the size, like roughly the size of like a golden retriever puppy. And, <laughs> And, you know, something else to keep in mind that, you know, Tom and I, like, discover and rediscover as we've watched the episodes is that, you know, two things you have to know about Pokemon in the context of, like, the anime world is that, you know, Pokemon, Pokemon are animals, even if, like, you know, some of them are made out of metal or slime or are ghosts, but, you know, (laughs) something Or are ghosts. Yeah. There's like two things you have to just keep in mind, or something we've kept in mind is that you know, not Pokemon aren't just animals. They're like imagine like every animal, they each animal is capable of like basically superpowers. They and you know, almost all of the Pokemon like have pretty thorough like have a pretty solid, like, ability to, like, think and reason, which is why, you know, almost every Pokemon, like, Pokemon are able to, you know, understand their trainers and, you know, just listen to them and, like, even just, like, obey their orders, even, like, outside of the context of a battle when they're just, you know, helping them out with their job. Right. And, like, something I'm, like, looking forward to especially when we get to, like, some of the movies and some of, like, the later episodes is, like, I'm looking forward to getting to the legendaries because, you know, just to put this in a context that, you know, you know, you and your brother Bob will be able to instantly understand. Almost all of the legendary Pokemon are basically kaiju. They're not yes. just kaiju, but, you know, most, not only are they kaiju, but, like, they're kaiju that, are like the representatives of like a fundamental fundamental cosmic aspect of the universe and to elaborate on that like this is we're not going to Tom and I aren't going to get to this until like years and years and years down the road but like <laughs> my favorite pokemon movie of the ones I've watched so far and there's some I need to go back to for the show but anyway it's called Hoopa and the Clash of Ages. And basically, there's Hoopa that can, you know, open these, like, ring portals, like Doctor Strange in the Marvel movie style. And, you know, the thing is, like, in the context of the movie, it's established that, you know, Hoopa used to be this, like, giant, almost malevolent genie thing that you would, like, fight some of the legendary Pokemon for kicks. And then... When, like, this dark magic turns it evil, like, like the evil Hoopa ends up summoning, like, the Pokemon, all of the legendary Pokemon. And the legendary Pokemon are essentially gods. Like, two of the Pokemon, Groudon and Kyogre, they, they pretty much, like, embody the, like, the concept of the land and the sea. And that, you know, Kyogre can cause tsunamis and Groudon can, like, basically expand the landmass of the earth as much as it wants. Damn. And then there's Rayquaza, which, you know, looks like it would be entirely in place in a Godzilla movie. It's like this giant 
like serpent dragon thing that lives in the sky and you know it only comes down when you know to like balance when Kyogre, Kyogre and Groudon are fighting and that's you know that's just like the earth that's the things we can understand because we live on the earth and you know I just I, I need to see I need to say this to you so that you know this and that you will one day watch it and know how I felt when I watched it but you know Hoopa also summons, like, all of the Pokemon that are representatives of, like, really abstract concepts. Like, there's Dialga and Palkia mm-hmm. and Giratina, which, you know, and who are from the Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum series of games. And basically, like, Dialga is, like, the embodiment of space. Palkia is the embodiment of time. And Giratina, in the context of the Pokemon universe, is like the Pokemon equivalent of the devil because it lives in like the antimatter universe. Holy shit! And like just, and you know, this is a Pokemon movie from back in the day, from many years ago. But it's the one I'm looking forward to the most, just because I just I can't believe this is essentially what happens, but. You know, Ash and, like, Arceus and the Jewel of Life. And basically, like, again, this is, this is not me, like, embellishing. Because, like, in the, con- in the context of the Pokemon universe, this is real. Like, in the Pokemon games, Arceus is God. As in capital G, the literally created the universe. Yep. And it's responsible for creating the things that would create life on Earth. And the thing is, in that, like, for reasons I don't know, since we haven't gotten to the movie yet, is that, you know, basically Arceus, who I like, to, who just, again, to reiterate, is literally God, the same way that Aslan from the Chronicles of Narnia is literally Jesus. Yep. Like, goes on, like, a rampage and, like, threaten and, you know, fights with. Dialga and Palkia, who, again, as a reminder, are the embodiments of space and time. Why are they fighting, like, Godzilla monsters? I don't know, but the point is, by doing so, they threaten to, like, rip the, like, literally, like, rip reality apart and just dissolve the universe. So Ash and friends have to go back in time to whatever caused Arceus to get mad and start rampaging in the first place and, like, appease God's wrath. Like, that's a real thing. It's a real thing that happens in the anime. Like, basically, like... Like, yeah. The Pokemon movies are a lot different beasts than the anime because the anime, even though, like, the anime can, like, as you know, can wildly, like, shift genres, it's basically, like, an adventure of the week story. Yeah. The Pokemon movies get just get really weird because, like, you know, the legendary Pokemon are just really weird, just weird creatures. Like, the early legendaries and like the early games are just, you know, just animals, just but bigger and with superpowers. And, you know, just and then there's like Deoxys, who is like, who, you know, it says in the Pokedex is a Pokemon that came to life because it was, like, an alien virus that was hit by a space laser. <laughs> and, you know, it it doesn't even, like, like communicate in the way that, you know, Pokemon do with 
just like you know just like context clues and like animal sounds and it's it's just i just i'm not doing this justice but like the pokemon movies are just like the type of weird sci-fi that you'd expect that you'd expect like your parents to have watched when they were kids Right. No, it sounds like it. And, and I haven't even dug into that yet. Now, he, here's a question I always had, because, you know, I, my my Pokemon knowledge is limited to getting a lot better. But um, a lot of my exposure to the ones past um, past the Game Boy, you know, past the Kanto and the Johto region, you know, are are very, um, you know, j- just from basically playing uh, Pokemon Go. Um, you know, I'm now I'm learning all the names. I, I know them all, right? And and I, I I wondered this when I was thinking because you know I've 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 seen some of the show and I've seen you know a movie or two now and I've seen Detective Pikachu and and a question is, Pokemon are are many, like each type, each one. It's not like there's one Pikachu and one Charmander, right? Yeah, like They're, Pikachu uh, is like is a is a race or a, a it's like uh, a, it's like a species of species. Pokemon. Like, so, but, but what about the legendaries? Like you talk about, you know, this thing you're talking about is basically, you know, the embodiment of God. And this other thing is the embodiment of the devil. Cause it lives in, you know, um, an antimatter region. Are there only one of those? That's like, from what I've seen so far, it's not super clear. Like some of the Pokemon, some of the legendaries, like there's, I think only one of them, like the legendary birds, like Articuno, Moltres, and Zapdos. But others like Latios and Latios that are basically like little dragon things if they were like jets. Like it's suggested in the Pokedex that, you know, there's a lot of them, but they can fly so astronomically fast. You usually think they're just, it's just the same ones. <laughs> and then it says, and then it goes even weirder. Cause it's like, if Dialga or Palkia, like either like die or get captured, Arceus can just, you know, create a new one out of the ether because again, God, but it, it's not, it's, it's not super clear. It's really interesting. Yeah. And it, it, the more you dig in, I mean, again, like, like with anything, you know, when you've got something that is created to sell stuff, which what piece of media out there isn't, but when you're kind of making stuff up and rules up on the fly, it's interesting when you go back and try to trudge through it, you know, how, how they justify it. And it, it's, it's so cool. Cause I, I was thinking that the other day, you know, in this game, you know, I can have, 25 Latias if I want to right um but then you think you know I watched like the shows and the movies and it's like well no 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 this one Mewtwo is really giving them a hell of a time like they're not catching that (laughs) you you know what I mean so it's like it's a little bit of a different um and I just wasn't sure how that went down it's really cool yep and just another reason is just because I've got to recap them all there's Usually, like, in every episode, there's always at least something to talk about. Like, in, like throughout the early seasons, like, there's actually, like, Ash Ketchum goes from, Ash Ketchum goes to, like, not a lot, but, like, noticeable character development, where he goes from, like, like a selfish, bragging, stupid boy to, like, the goodest boy. And, exactly. You 
and like throughout like the entire twenty year run of the series, Ash like count Ash like encounters and then captures Pokemon that usually come from like very broken homes and basically just because he's such a good boy that only wants the best for his super powered animal friends, he like teaches these like Pokemon that have been through hell and back like how to actually trust and love again and like that's a cons and like it's even weirder and like another like recurring theme because you know once i start talking about this i never stop is that you know our, one of our most recent episode from may like in which tom and i and our and we were joined by another Chris. We talked about, you know, one of the band episodes, The Legend of Miniru, mm -hmm. which is Dratini's Japanese name. And, you know, this was episode was never brought into was never given an English dub because it's the one with the guns. Ah, uh, yes. The one with the guns in which the person repeatedly puts a gun in Ash's face and, like, literally shoots at Team Rocket. Oh, boy. And, well, that's hilarious because, you know... Why because would a person... Team Rocket. <laughs> yeah, and, like, why would a person need guns in a world where Pokemon exist? But, like, something, like, I've noticed, like, like the guy with the guns, whose name I forget, because why would you call him anything else? Like, he lives in the Safari Zone. Here He runs the Safari Zone, which, in the Pokemon games, is just a place where you can, like capture Pokemon that you can't in the rest of the game, but, like, it's kind of like, I don't know, a cross between, like, I don't know, just a free reign, a, like, a, like, a big old plot of land where Pokemon mostly have free reign, and if you want to capture any Pokemon, you have to, like, go by very specific rules, like, you can only use, like, the special Safari Balls, and you can only use, like, 30 per visit. And the reason he does it is because, you know, like in, like in like the first generation of Pokemon games, like Dratini was super rare and like in the context. And since like those take place in the Kanto region and the first season of the anime takes place in the Kanto region, Dratini is also naturally rare in that part of the world. And, you know, so many trainers like rush to, to like try and capture one that they actually like damage the environment that the safari zone is in and like a recurring theme other than you know like animal neglect or abuse or just like welfare is like like harmony with the environment and nature because and because like in the one of the previous episodes the, no, wait. The episode immediately before that, Ash and Friends are in, like, a literal Pokemon sanctuary where it's, like, illegal to capture Pokemon at all. And, you know, just... You know, because... And so it builds up, like, in the Pokemon anime, like, the Pokemon are actual creatures, and, you know, the, like, law enforcement in that world, like, takes, like, you know, steps to at least, you know, strike a balance between trainers wanting to catch them and, you know animals just doing their own thing and that's something I found neat as I watched the episodes right it's just not a one note we do this one thing and that's the only thing that's important in the show it's got so much more going on in the social context and everything like you like, know 
like that so random cool. house of rich people living on the skyscraper in the episode we watched. Yeah, like a lot of the episodes are just like Pokemon, like train, like just regular people and their like Pokemon partners just going about like a regular nine to five life just with Pokemon in them. Because that's basically whenever there's not in the anime, whenever there's not like an adventure happening, it's just, you know, Pokemon like in the wild and like domesticated Pokemon in the city just going about their business with any with like their humans or just on their own it's really cool and i like that when it still has the ability to have some downtime and some just yeah. fun fun stories and not just have to be um all about pushing the product even though that's what it's there for so um to to transition topics a little bit you know you're 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 an avid gamer and you know yes. a super super geek just like me. Mm-hmm. Um, what what have you been uh, what have you been playing to get through um, these dark times as of late? Well, let's see. I've beaten like surprisingly quite a few of the games that I have just because in like the early weeks before I started, you know. Like volunteering at a, an emergency like childcare center, is which just, is awesome, by the way. Yeah, that you're doing you. that. It's not yeah. awesome that children need emergency care, but it's awesome that you're doing it. <laughs> yeah, there's just me at my house, and I like I really like. Well, I usually like gravitate more to games, just because. Especially, like, now, but just in general. I don't really like games that are, like, attached to reality too much. And by that, I mean I yep. don't want to just, like, ordinary people doing ordinary things. So, just, yep. like, the more cartoony and goofy the games for me, the better. But generally, just pretty much any genre. Like, the first game I remember buying specifically to help me, like, get through the fact that, you know... We won't be able to go to places for a while. Was Doom Eternal because I played Doom 2016 like through three times, and it's then when so I, good when I saw the trailer, it was just awesome because it's like one of the things I love the most. Like, like I just love games like that and Borderlands just because the action is so just unnecessarily over the top. Yeah, the, those two games are just great, and I I haven't played Doom Eternal yet, but I I got to see it at PAX, and it looked awesome. Oh, it is, and a game that I'm like I found I'm found myself surprised that I like fell in love with as much as I did is you know just like a while ago another like gaming channel I follow the Super Beard Bros. Like they played through like the game Knack, which is one of like the PlayStation 4's launch titles back in the day. Uh-huh. And like it's a fairly like standard, you know, action platformy beat 'em up kind of game. But what sets it up and like its claim to fame was that, you know, the main character, Knack, is this like golem, but it's made out of like tiny little parts that build up into a big thing and that was used to like show off like I guess like the particle effects or whatever of the PS4. Yep. 
But uh, the thing, like, that the Super Beer Bros at the time noticed about Knack, the main character, and it's just something that, you know, I just can't help but, like, laugh at every time I play the games is, like, like, when you think of, like, some sort of, like, inhuman character that is, like, a vaguely human shape, like a robot or something similar, you expect it to have a voice that doesn't sound like a voice that people have. Yep. And the thing about Knack is he has this, like, really, this really deep voice, this, like, deep command, this, like, really just doesn't match with the body at all voice and just... He's just so, like, matter-of-fact about all, like, the weird adventures you go on, like, throughout the game. It's just hilarious. Just, like, this freaking goofy man that looks like it's made out of weird Legos just has this, the really deep voice that you'd expect someone in, like, an intense, like, crime drama to have. That's awesome. And it's, yeah, he's voiced by Nack is voiced by Ike Amadi, and like again, he's just this like big old guy made out of weird geometric shaped blocks, and he has a big old golden like Muppet nose. I just, I, I just, I can't stress just how like, goofy it is, and like. And then, like, once you get past the novelty of the goof, you realize that, you know, the first Nat game is, like, a little basic, but it's a pretty solid game. Pretty solid, like, action platforming game about, like, people, like, discovering, like, weird treasures of, like... Because, like, in the Nat game, like, everything... Like, in the Nat game, like, they don't have, like the energy problems that we do because everything's powered by these like weird relics that knack is also made of that basically act like batteries but with like but they don't run out of power yep and like you'd and again just play it for yourself but you know at first I thought like the direction of the game was, you know, like they're relying on these like relics from a leftover civilization. And usually that means like in most other games, like those things are gonna like be the reason the apocalypse happens, but like nope, like the only reason like stuff starts to go wrong is because they like end up, you know, going deeper and searching like like you know, the relics are pretty just, like, fine. Like, everyone has them. They power literally everything in the world. That's fine. But, you know, the thing is, it only goes wrong when it goes, like, Indiana Jones or Uncharted, when they find, like, the one thing that, you know, ought not to be found. Right. And, you know, it's... And then you also just, like, fight goblins because humanity is also at war with, like, goblins. <laughs> and I gotta play this game. I ne- I at least need to find a Let's Play of it. I have to see this thing. Yep, and then... Then I realized, like... And then, like... I think three or four years after Knack came out, like, Knack 2 came out, and, like, they really put, like, in some elbow grease and, like, made it into, like, a really... 
Whereas the first snack was basically like, you know, you walk a vaguely linear path and then just go into a weirdly shaped arena and beat up the bad guys and like dodge them because, you know, in the harder difficulties they hit hard. But they they really make it like a proper like action platformer. Like you have to put you have to do some serious thinking of like jumping over the obstacles, and like they give Nack more abilities than just jump and punch. And again, it's just on top of all of that is just Nack with his just weirdly doesn't match his bite at all deep voice. And, you know, you'd think Knack's origins would be, like, a central focus on the game, but, like, nope, Knack is just, like, a thing a thing whose body is made out of these weird ancient batteries that power everything in the world, and he's pretty much just, like, a fact of life at this point. And, you know, he's just regularly having, like, casual conversation with, like, the other protagonists, like, just, like, hey, this is a wacky adventure going on, right? And it's just, it's such a weird thing, but I love it just because, like, they don't acknowledge just how, like, ridiculous Knack as a concept is at all. And that's, like, the best thing. And it's only on PS4? Yes. Bummer. I knew I should have got one of those. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, (laughs) there's always that. But, um, uh. Oh man, what else? Any anything else um, b- before we wrap up that's uh, caught your fancy over uh, over these times? I know that you uh, you and I got to see Animal Crossing at PAX, you know, and yes. it released a week later, and that that game is just wonderful. I've been enjoying Animal Crossing, and you know, just because it's been a few years since. Like, the best thing now is that I'm actually able to play the games that I've interviewed some of the people about. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm currently playing, like, the game I was, look- one of the games I was looking forward to the most is uh, Skell Attack, which is, like, an action platformy type of game made by my friend David Stanley. And, you know, I was playing that at PAX and just, you know, seeing it grow and finding out it was coming to the Switch just made me just zoom in on it. And the game I'm looking forward most to starting, because, you know, I'll save all the other games I've been playing for another time, but like the game I'm looking forward most to starting probably tomorrow is... um. Like the game Deadly Premonition, like a few, like last year was recently brought to the Switch. And again, I like pretty much like 80% 80 of the games I own, I found out through Fraser and Video Games Awesome. And he basically described it as, you know, just like, like the weirdness one typically associates with Twin Peaks, but like a video, like a procedure, like a crime procedural video game. Oh, I need it. And they finally, I, I, I didn't realize it was coming to Switch, and now I'm so excited. Yep, it's like it's on the Switch right now, and it's been like relabeled as Deadly Premonition Origins because at the same time they announced that you know Deadly Premonition Two is also coming to the Switch. Nice. I'm just I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to that as like like the really big like story driven game on my list oh man i'm i'm putting a note right now to buy that (laughs) (laughs) that sounds right up my alley did you ever play alan wake speaking of games that are really cool like um 
kind of Twin Peaksy kind of thing going on. This is like when Alan Wake came out is like when back in I only had like the sw- a switch and a GameCube at the time and like yeah I, I, I didn't that's all I had too oh, I, I didn't have a switch but I yeah I only had a GameCube and um an old PS2 and my friend brought his Xbox 360 or his Xbox over with the game and said we're gonna play through this. <laughs> this game is incredible. You need to see it. And it was made by the guys that made Max Payne, but it was so much because I love the Max Payne games, but they're actioners first. And this was, this was, they stripped it down and it it was like this weird Stephen King, Twin Peaks, like guys yeah. novel coming to life and messing with the town. This was, story. it was just around the time when I like first started like working, like, my second job ever, but my first actual real job and was able to like, you know, get money and buy video game consoles and like put some serious investment into like gaming as like my primary hobby. Yeah. God, that was a long time ago. Now that was probably 2005, 2006. Yeah. That's gotta be when that was right. Cause that, Oh God. Cause it's 2020. Oh no. <laughs> oh no um i wonder if they ever brought it out anything else Hmm, let's see no 2010 still not not oh no that has to be its release on something else let's see yep it was feels like it was longer ago than that it's a fantastic game but um did now way back had you ever heard of um and i don't know if i've talked to you about this before have you ever heard of shadow of destiny i don't think so so i I recommend um just to leave you with something especially if games like deadly premonition are interesting to you so shadow of destiny was this game that came out on ps2 and it was a launch title i think and like a lot of PS2 launch titles, it didn't do very good business um, because there were, you know, a couple that people really wanted and the rest of them were kind of forgotten. But it, it was a really cool game. Um, it kind of you ever play Mist or hear of Mist, the old PC game? I've heard of Mist. Yeah. So, so Mist, you like you go on this island and you, you know, it's a puzzle game and you end up through solving puzzles jump to different iterations of that island in different time periods mm-hmm. and this game um shadow of destiny is a similar um format but what they did is it's the people that made silent hill like it's the developer and writers of of the original um silent hill game and so this came out before silent hill 2 on the ps2 and what they did was it, there's no action at all this game easily could have just been a point and click strategy game and it would have been the same amount of action that you have in the game but instead they made it a full 3d town so basically like take an rpg like final fantasy and break it down to only the parts where you walk around and talk to people in a town and that's this game but what was really cool about it is the game starts you're walking down the street you're talking to people and then a guy kills you or someone kills you and you die you're murdered and you wake up in like this weird floating something in the middle of somewhere. And this homunculus guy tells you, Hey, I, I can help you. Like 
I'm going to send you back to X amount of minutes before you died and you have this amount of time to solve it. But until you change and solve all the chain of events that led to that moment, you're not going to, you know, be able to go back to your normal life. Like, and it, that thing, obviously, you know, because it's creepy and evil hasn't, you know, some other thing going on, but you basically go backwards through time periods in this town and through like almost like in an Assassin's Creed kind of a way, like through relatives of yours back in time, like trying to stop this chain of events. And it's just such a cool, it's basically like a living storybook, you know, in fact, I think they released a version of it on the Nintendo DS or mm-hmm. the Nintendo Ad- Game Boy Advance. No, it was the DS that w- they did. Actually, they released a version of it that was just a storybook. Like, remember when the DS did that for like two months where they would like take games that were like big games on the GameCube or PS2 and they'd go, we're going to make a version of it where you just hit play and you watch like the game as cutscenes. Mm. Um, and, and I thought that was kind of cool. It was, it was almost like just turn based, you know, like those little like quick time events, but they broke the game down into that. And I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but if you'd never heard of it, find a let's play cause it's a fascinating game, fully voice acted like, and, and remember that was a new thing, you know, final fantasy 10, I think a year or two after this was the first fully voice acted, like big, you know, RPG. So for this game to have a full voice acting cast, was a pretty big deal um and it it did no business but i loved it (laughs) i still own it i've i'll 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 turn on my ps2 just to play it sometimes because it and it does you know like the silent hill get people you know it's got like 12 endings (laughs) depending on how you play it and uh it's fascinating but um yeah that's cool that you got to play the games from people you've had on the show though i mean i think that that's the coolest thing about these cons and just the internet in general is that it's, especially during this quarantine is it's, it's causing creatives to get out there and connect directly instead of being like, Hey, buy my product and we'll talk later. It's like, no, I, you, you, you know, we, there's been watch parties with directors showing up to like, you know, a guy like me's watch party, you know, and like live tweeting along with it or, you know, you've get to interview people that are actually making games where, you know, we would have had to have had, you know, full on journalism jobs to even like get put in a room with these guys. And now it's like, you know, no, people just want to talk and people want to share their stuff and they want to be enthusiastic and get people who are enthusiastic involved. And it it's nice when you meet other people that are using the internet in a positive way, you know? Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so why don't I give you yet again another chance, Tyler? And again, dude, I'll, I'll talk to you for hours. You're a blast. <laughs> but um, I, I also got to go to sleep, and I have kids, and yay. <laughs> um, but I want to give you another chance to plug all your stuff and remind people um, where they can, you know, uh, subscribe to you and help you make more stuff. Yep. So if you're interested in hearing me say word talks at people and with people about video games, you can go to youtube.com slash the pumpkin copter cast. You know, interview people about whatever it is they're doing. They have a new segment, which Chris was the debut of, in which if guests would give a t- give a bit of a talk about why they love video games, either individually or like communally, and 
Yeah, and if you watch any of those interviews and you want to give me a money, you can go to patreon.com slash the pumpkin copter cast and give as much and as little as you want. And, you know, if you want to hear me say some words with another person, my co-host Tom, you can go to, you can track down Gotta Recap Them All, a recap cast of all things Pokemon, in which he and I are... I've decided to take on like the immortal burden of reviewing literally every single episode of the Pokemon anime and the movies, which is you know almost eleven hundred episodes of the anime and like I think close to over two dozen movies over a period of twenty plus years, and you can find that on iTunes, Spotify, and or Libsyn. And, yeah, those are the two things I have presently. There may be more when I'm able to upgrade my computer. Awesome. And, And, keep going, dude. Sorry. And, you know, uh, yeah, that's it for now. And if you're in the Boston area and we're ever able to converge in public without the fear of getting sick again, look out for Big Debbie. Wandering around at a con yeah. near you, handing out snack cakes. Yes, because <laughs> <laughs> that big. De- I'm, I'm going to need to find a picture of Big Debbie and put it up with this because that's just amazing. Um, <laughs> but uh, and, and you know, I, I impress upon you all again. You know, folks that do this as a hobby. You know, and you might say, "Oh, you have a Patreon. You're out here. You know, asking for money." Is it's a real reason. You know, people like like Tyler, me, and others. You know, we, there's an economic hit. That we're all sharing right now. So if you have extra funds, if you're lucky enough to have extra funds and you want to see people that are making cool stuff, make cool stuff, you know, maybe go check out Tyler's stuff. If you like it, throw him some money on Patreon, then he can upgrade his computer and make more shows for you or, you know, make his big Debbie costume, um, you know, a mech suit that walks around. I don't know. <laughs> you whatever. Maybe but um, if you get the, the a replica of that double sword Thanos had in Avengers. Oh Endgame. my god, that thing. <laughs> um, that thing's terrifying. <laughs> I love it. Um, you know, but just you know, hey, it, or you know, just if if you have it, there's people out there that could use it, and there's causes out there that could use it. So just think about what good you can do with what little you're able to do and um, just enjoy content and support creators. And Tyler, thank you so much for shooting the shit with me today or tonight. Oh crap. Yeah. Woohoo. <laughs> and um, we'll talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye.